Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is Prayer, Part 3, Lead Me Not, featuring Michael Davis. But if you're just joining us, so we started a series three weeks ago called How to Pray, and this is part three of our series, and if you're just joining us or if you're just watching online, you can catch up online on our our, our podcast, our YouTube channel, our Facebook, and check out where we've gone thus far. But basically, we're talking about how everybody is skeptical at prayer at one point or time in their life, right? Everybody asks the questions, is God even hearing my prayer? Does prayer even work? And the disciples, the apostles, they had this same question. I mean, they had grown up learning memorized prayers. They had grown up learning the Psalms from the Old Testament. They grew up learning prayers from the Pharisees and the different people that they saw, their parents. And so they grew up reciting prayers and and just reciting them out loud. And then they met Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God. And they said, wait a minute. He is praying differently than we've ever seen before. He's praying differently than anyone else we've ever met. And if he's the son of God, if this is true, well then, this is the guy we'd want to learn how to pray from. And so they they get very bold, very brave. One of them, we don't know exactly which one it is. Maybe they're a bit embarrassed by this question. But Luke remembers it and he says this. He said, one day they go up to Jesus and they ask, ask him this question. You could put my scripture verse on the screen. Thanks. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, will you you teach us to pray? Now, do you ever, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about asking somebody, hey, I'd like to get, I'd like to get better at prayer. Could you teach me to pray? Probably not. Or what if somebody even walked up to you and said, hey, do you you know you're, you're not doing that? right? You'd probably be a bit offended. You'd probably be a bit insulted. you go, hey now, come on now. I, there's no wrong way to pray. And there, you're right. There is no wrong way to pray. But according to Jesus, there's a, there's a better way to pray. And so Jesus does. He teaches his disciples how to pray. And luckily enough for us, uh, Luke was there to, to interview people later on and to, to write down exactly what the disciples heard and what was said by Jesus. And so Luke, he takes all this and he puts it in his gospel and he has it for us. And so Matthew, he, he was actually there. He was a firsthand account. And he said, you know, when Jesus taught us to pray, this is what he would say. And so Matthew says, but when you pray, when you pray, and, and, he, and he goes on, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, he says, when you pray, he goes, don't be like the Pharisees, don't be like the, the people who stand on the corner and, and grandstand in front of everybody and give this epic speech that everybody applauds and goes, oh, I wish I could pray like you. He says, no, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And we talked about why. Why would we need to do that? Because you know what? In order for God to say what God needs to say, in order for you to say what you need to say, there needs to be privacy and intimacy. Privacy and intimacy, right? We need privacy and intimacy to truly have a conversation with our Father in heaven. And so he says, when you pray, he goes, "Uh, this is how I'd like you to pray. And he goes, and remember, God already knows what you want. And so Jesus, if we skip ahead a little bit, he says, this is how you should pray when you pray. He says, our Father in heaven. Who do we pray to? Do we pray to God? Do we pray to Jesus? Do we pray to uh, Jesus' mama? No, we pray to our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We, re- we stop and we recognize that we are talking to the hallowed name of God. We are talking to the creator, the king of kings, the almighty, who has invited us to refer to him as Father. 
wow. We stop and we, we bask in that. We, we pause in that. And then he says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God already knows what we want. God has been with us throughout the entire week. God knows what we felt. God knows our emotions. God knows what we've been thinking. So when we come to prayer, we're not informing God, informing God of anything. And so what are we praying for? We're praying that we would surrender our will to God. It's a, it's a moment of aligning our will with God's will. We've said it this way. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it. Another way that we put it is prayer is not about moving God, it's about moving us. And so we get a little bit further, and then it says in Matthew 6, 11, it says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus' next prayer was, give us today our daily bread. Jesus, or Father God, would you, would you, would you give me what I need? Maybe, you, I mean, you know what I want, but... God, don't give me so much of what I want that I would abandon you. Don't give me so much that, that I would think that I'm self-sufficient, that I don't need you. But just give me my daily bread. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, and, and forgive me. But God, only forgive me as much as I'm willing to forgive other people. God, would you, would you do that in my life? Forgive me. And if there's anyone that that I need to forgive, would you, would you reveal that to me? Because what is righteous? Righteous is being in right relationship with God and, and being in right relationship with others, right? So as I stop and pray, God, is there anyone that I'm not in right relationship with? And then we get to the end of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to finish the Lord's Prayer today. And then for the next two weeks, we're actually going to talk about a couple other different things when it comes to prayer, questions that have been on your mind. And my small group, even in conversation, they've made me add a whole nother week from the conversations and questions and thoughts that we've had because Jason is just so thought-provoking. And so we've actually extended this out a whole nother week. But today we're going to finish up the Lord's Prayer. And so in Matthew 6, 13, Jesus finishes and he says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, Father in heaven, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, praying this prayer, looking at it, it, it brings up a question. And the question is this. Uh, what or who leads you into temptation? Think about this for a minute. I mean, when you're praying this prayer, when you're looking at it, it could be very easy to think that it's God who leads you into temptation. And so some people believe when they pray this prayer, they're going, Oh God, please, please don't lead me into temptation. I know how you, you like to do your tests and you, you, you like to throw things in our way and you want to lead me in temptation to see what I'm going to do. Oh Lord, please don't do that. Now, here's the problem with that kind of theology or belief. Do you really believe that, that God uses evil for good? Do, do you really believe that, that God puts temptation in front of you? I mean, going through Jesus' story or going through even the Old Testament, I don't see a lot of proof in that. I mean, even when the tempting is done, just take Jesus' story. When Jesus was tempted, it was Satan who tempted him. And some of you may want to email me later and go, well, what about Job? But if, even if you read the book of Job, it was Satan who tempted and tested Job. And so, I mean, it's kind of silly of us to go, well, God is the one who tempts us. I mean, do you really think that it's God? 
I mean, and then, I mean, I get it, it'd be a little bit easier for you to go, you know, it's, well, it's Satan who tempts us. But, but let's be honest for a minute. I mean, when you pull out your phone and you go through that app and you look for half-naked girls or fully naked girls, whatever your choice may be, can you really sit there as you type out whatever you're typing or whatever site you're looking for or whatever person you're looking for, can you really go, God, no, what are you doing to me? Can you even look at Satan and go, Satan, what are you doing with my finger? No, right? When you walk into that environment, when you walk into that party, when you go to that group of friends, are you really standing there after you've accepted the invitation and you went there knowing full well what would be there and who would be there? Are you really sitting there at the bar going, oh, Lord, what have you done to me? What evil have you surrounded me with? Can you even look at Satan and go, Satan, what are you up to in this room? I have no idea. I'd, I didn't expect that Cynthia would be here. I was trying to think of somebody who's not sitting here in the audience. You know, I didn't know Cynthia would be here. Oh, Satan, get behind me now. Right? I mean, really? Do you really think? Is that, is that what you believe? I mean, let, let's be honest for a minute. Well, let's be honest. Don't you do a pretty good job of leading yourself into temptation? I mean, just, just track with me here. What if, what, what if you lead you into temptation? And what if that's true? Track with me here for a little bit. What if you lead you into temptation? Then what does this prayer really mean? Lord God, lead me not into temptation. Because I do a pretty good job of myself leading me where I shouldn't be. You know, when Jesus found his disciples, when he first invited them to be his disciples, he uses the same language over and over and over again. And this is the language that he uses. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Come and follow me. This was his invitation. Follow me. It's why we call ourselves followers of Jesus. Follow me. And really when he says follow me, what he's really saying is allow me to lead you. Right? That's the invitation. Would, would you... Would you allow me to be your shepherd? Would you allow me to be your leader? Would you follow me and let me, let me take you somewhere? That is the invitation that Jesus offered. Now, this was many, 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 many years ago, right? And we, we have these stories recorded in our, in our, in our Bibles. But over time, the, the church has changed the invitation, right? Right? You don't hear a whole lot about follow Jesus. What you hear the church talk about a lot, we've kind of watered it down to this. Believe in me, right? Believe in Jesus. All you got to do is, is, is believe in Jesus. Do you believe, right? That's why I remember, you know, the old revivals. Do you believe? You know, they had put the hands out like that too, right? You got to like, it's like God beams are coming out. Right? Do you believe? You know, and then you know, if you remember the Blues Brothers movies, I believe I've seen the light, and he starts doing cartwheels. That's why we need a center aisle, you know, so I can do cartwheels down the aisle. But do you believe? Right? That's what we've watered it down to, and I I understand where we get that. Right? Where do we get that? What scripture verse could we possibly get that from? Go ahead and yell it out. This is the only time I'm gonna let you yell in service. All right, Mike, what is it? Y'all don't know, all right? John 3.16. Come on, y'all knew that one. That was an easy Bible trivia question right there, right? Why? Because it says, whomever shall... Wow, that took us way too long to get there, all right? Uh, Whomever shall believe shall inherit the earth, right? Whoever shall believe. And so 
That's what the church over time has watered the invitation, invitation down to, is, is, is believe. But let me ask you something. Does it, does it cost you anything to believe? No. Does it, does it require anything of you to believe? Well, no, I just have to like, believe it's true, you know, believe it's real. And I remember that at teen camp. I remember, you know, at teen camp, Thursday night, you know, we've got to, We've got to recommit ourselves or re- re-believe ourselves. Do you believe, you know? Or, you know, some of you even grew up in a faith where, you know, they, they told you that, you know, do you believe? All, well, then all you got to do is take this class or all you got to do is jump through this hoop. And, and once you believe, you get to do these things. Believe, 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 believe. But, but here's the question. You know, John 3.16, everybody knows that verse. Everybody's memorized that verse. And, you know, you got John 3.16 tattoos, if you go to Hobby Lobby, there's some beautiful John 3.16 art, right? Everybody loves John 3.16 because it doesn't require anything of you except for to believe. But let me ask you if, about this. Did you know this verse? Do you know Matthew 16.24? Can anybody recite that? Now, some of you are Bible majors, so don't do it. But, but can you recite that verse? Do you know what, what this one says? Let me show it to you. All right, this is what it says. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You're not going to see any Matthew 16, 24 scripture verses or tattoos on the body. You go to Hobby Lobby, I guarantee you, this is not hung up in anybody's living room. Because it's a little bit darker, isn't it? Well, that requires something of you. I mean, whoever wants to be my disciple, what must I do to be your disciple, Lord? Well, they must deny themselves. Oh, that's a little bit harder than just simply believing. To deny myself. And they must take up their cross. Take up their cross like, like death. Like I could, I could die for this. Or like, as Paul puts it, I have to die to myself. Woo. Uh, that's a little bit more intense. And then I, I don't just believe, but I, I follow him. Meaning, I make him my leader. I choose to give him the reins. I, I, I give him authority in my life. And I say, here, here's the steering wheel. I'll go wherever you want to go. That's a, that's a little bit more intense, Right? And, and that's a hard invitation. That's not an easy invitation. See, I get why the church did what the church did, because it's so much easier to just invite people to believe. Because, I mean, there's enough there for you to believe, or at least be curious enough to, to probably think so. I mean, believing is, believing is simple. Believing is easy. Believing is, you know, normal, right? I mean, we all believe in different things, but, but to follow... To pick up my cross, oh man, to, to, to deny myself, wow, that's a, that's a little bit more intense. And you know, there are people that Jesus came into contact with that were offered this invitation and they, they couldn't handle it. There was even a rich man once who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I've done it all. I've got gold stars on my report card. I've followed every law and I've done everything right. What in the world could be required of me? And Jesus said, go sell all your possessions and then you can follow me. And the rich man couldn't do it. You know why? Because he, he couldn't deny himself. 
his riches. He couldn't deny himself what he had made his life about. He couldn't pick up his cross and follow Jesus. And so he turned around and it tells us that he was disappointed and he was sad. And you know what? For some of us, we're believers, we're not followers. For some of us, we haven't picked up our cross. We haven't denied ourselves. We're not actually following him. See, here, here's a question I want you to ask yourself. When's the, when's the last time you told yourself no? When's the last time you told you no? When's the last time that inside your, your appetite, your heart, your emotions, your mind told you this is what you should do? But because of what you know of Jesus, what the Spirit told you, how you, the Spirit told you, this is not going to end well. You went ahead and you, you did it anyway. See, I think the question for, for today in, in Christian culture, in the world today, probably the biggest question that the church should be answering and every Christian should be asking of themselves is this, is are you a believer or are you a follower? Are you a believer or are you a follower? Because it's easy to believe. You can go to church every Sunday and believe. You could not even go to church and believe every, every, every week. But are you a believer or are you a follower? And if you choose to let Jesus lead you, he will take you somewhere other than you would lead yourself. Now, a good question to ask before you make this decision is this. What even qualifies Jesus to lead me from temptation? That's a great question. This is what the question I would ask before I bought the car and signed on the dotted line. I mean, well, tell me what in the world even qualifies Jesus to lead me from temptation. I'm glad you asked. And here is the answer. In, in the book of Hebrews, this is what he says. Now, Hebrews, it's kind of a weird letter in the Bible. Uh, we don't know exactly who wrote it. Most people believe it's Paul because it's very Paul-esque. But it's a very intense letter, so this is my personal opinion. Paul wrote this letter, and he said, you know, the church can't handle this. Much of like how my uh, end-time sermon is going right now. And so he's like, the church can't handle this. So he just shoved it in a drawer, and he's like, I cannot send that out. And then somebody he worked for was like, no, they need to hear this. And so he just stole it and mailed it out. That's just my personal belief. But a lot of people believe that it's Paul. By the way, if any of you go looking for my sermons that I've written that I'm not ready to share for you yet... Just know what you're getting into. Anyway, but we believe that this was written by Paul. I and mean, so he says this in Hebrews 4.15. He says, for we do not have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, this is a little confusing, okay? This is, well, welcome to Michael Davis's theology class. God, or Jesus, was 100% was God, and he was also 100% man. I know that math doesn't add up. Just stay with me, all right? Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. And we believe, based on Paul and other people's writings, that Jesus walked on this earth till about the age of, of 33 Fully man. And he was tempted in every single way. In every single way that you and I are tempted daily, he was also tempted in the same way. He was tempted to get revenge. 
He was tempted to be prideful. He was tempted with sex. He, he, he was tempted with, with anger. He was tempted with guilt. He was t- tempted with, with, with all of these different things that we go through on a daily basis. And he, he was tempted with it all. But the amazing thing that Jesus did when he walked this earth for the 33 years that he lived is that though he was fully man, he chose not to sin. Isn't that incredible? He did not sin, not once. And so when you go through something and you're like, how, how in the world could, could God understand? Well, God can understand because God sent himself here in human form and he did not sin once. He was tempted, but he, he did not sin. And so the author of Hebrews, he says this, in in light of that, he says, So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what's incredible about what the author of Hebrews is saying, is that the thing that Jesus did, Jesus, Jesus died for our sins and he rose again and he offered us this eternal life. But the amazing thing that happened when God sent himself to human form is that he walked this earth and he chose not to sin. Of his free will, he was able to beat sin. And so therefore, he's inviting you. He's inviting you to follow him and he can lead you down a path where you can also live a life without sin. Now that's kind of heavy, right? And again, this is, this is where our theology combats with the reality, right? This is where we hear these things, and, and even some of this, I mean, we're talking about being a believer or a follower, even some of this is, is hard to believe. But, but it combats what our mind and our, our heart and our emotions speak to us. Because, you know, there, there's, there's a saying, and I, and I hear this saying all the time, and I've been very, very clear, I say it every couple months, how, how much I, I hate this saying. And the saying is this, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And, and, and there's, there's religions out there, there's churches out there that preach this. We're all sinners. And I have a huge, huge problem with this. Because if you say we're all sinners, the idea is that sin is always going to win. No matter what you do, you will always be a sinner. You will always be a screw-up. You will always make a mistake. Which means that God just sent himself in human form and lived a life without sin, but he didn't offer that to us? What did he mean when he told the disciples then, you will do even greater things than I? I mean, so, so the idea is here that we're just walking through this earth and we're, just, we're always, we're always going to lose. Sin is always going to win. And, and the same power that, that rose Jesus from the grave and beat death, it's, it's good enough to beat death, but it, it'll never beat sin in this world. I have a hard time believing that. And if that's true, then why are we even following God? If God can't beat sin, then, then he's a pretty poor God. He's a pretty small God if he can't beat sin. Right? I mean, is that... Is that really a God worth following to you? Because it doesn't sound like a God worth following to me. See, I believe there are two types of people in this world. I believe there are sinners and there are the righteous who have sinned. What do you think about that? There are sinners and then there are the righteous who have sinned. Meaning, yeah, there are people who are living in sin, knowing it or not knowing it. But then there are the righteous who have sinned. Yes, they have sinned. 
but they are righteous. And remember, don't get righteousness confused. I just explained it to you a minute ago. Righteousness doesn't mean perfect. I'm not talking about perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. I'm talking righteous. I'm talking in right relationship with God and right relationship with others and living a life constantly pursuing staying righteous, staying right in relationship with God and staying in right relationship with others. That doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. You can make mistakes, but you're constantly pursuing righteousness. And the moment you realize it, you're going and asking for forgiveness and making it right again. I believe that's the two type of people that are in this world. There are sinners, and then there are the righteous who have sinned. Doesn't that sound a little bit better? Doesn't that sound a little bit more hopeful? I mean, doesn't that have a, a, a better idea of who God is? Doesn't that kind of make him more of a hallowed name? To know that Jesus can lead us to a life where we, choose, where we don't want to sin anymore where we want to be righteous, where we want to be in right relationship with other people, where we want to be in right relationship with God. I believe he can lead us there. He led himself there. Jesus was led there by the Father. And when he, he died and he rose again, the same power that rose him from the grave, the Spirit came and it, it, it's the same power is available to us. And so I believe that if we allow Jesus to lead us, if we follow him, he can, he can lead us away from a life of sin. Here's the question, though. And this is why we love we're sinners and we're always going to be. The question is this. The question is, is do you want to be led away from temptation? Do you, do you want to? Do you want to be led away from temptation? Or is it possibly that you want to play the sin now, ask for forgiveness later game? Oh, me, Yes. Because we all know the game, right? And again, you know, I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, teenagers thought they had figured this out, right? Teenagers were always like, well, if God's always going to forgive me. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I hear lightning. Hold on just a minute now. Hold on. Hold on. You're about to get smited. Let me pack up real quick, all right? Whoa, 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 whoa. But you've thought it, haven't you? You've, you've had the thought. You think you've figured out. You think you've cracked the code, right? Well, if God always has to forgive me, I can kind of do whatever I want and come back as many times as I, as I need to, right? I mean, after all, again, some of you, you, you grew up in a faith that even taught you that idea. Hey, just come back here to our booth, talk to our guy back here, walk out. You're all pardoning good, but now just make sure you come back next week because remember, you're always a sinner and you're always going to be, so you're going to keep making mistakes. So after you pass the offering basket, come back in our booth and we'll make it all good and clear for you and buff that out, right? You guys aren't laughing. That must have hit home. Um, oh, real close. Real close. This is what happens when I don't preach for two weeks. I come in pretty hot. But you think you figured that out, right? You think that you've figured out that God's always got to take you back so you can do whatever you want and you can come back. And man, I tell you what. If you think you can manipulate God that way, again, if God is that easily manipulated, is that, is that really a God worth following? And do you really think God is in heaven going, oh, you figured it out. You're right. Y'all do whatever you want. I'll always forgive you. Shoot, I can't stop loving you guys down there. You're right. Go have your fun. I'll be waiting here in heaven. Do you really? Is that your view of God? 
I know it's not, but you know what? That's the way you treat them. That's the way you treat them. And you know what? If I were, if God were a spouse or a father, I would tell him that he was in an abusive relationship with his child if that were the case. I would say, you know, God, they're, they're taking advantage of you. You just keep going back and doing the same thing, and they know you're always going to take them back. I would, I would tell that father, I would tell that husband, I would tell that wife, you're in an abusive relationship, sir. You should, you should probably get out of that. See, that, that's, that's, that's no good for God. But the thing is, too, when it comes in terms of you, that's a, that's a miserable way to live. That's a really miserable way to live. Constantly having to run back for forgiveness after you've led yourself to the threshold of temptation. Constantly running to temptation, constantly giving in to your desires and doing what you want to do and, and, and doing what feels good. Because we all know that in those moments of gratification, it feels good. But the next morning or the next day or the next week, it, it, we always end up in, our, in, our, in a roller coaster where there's highs and there's lows and there's highs and there's lows. And that's a, that's a miserable way to live. It's a miserable way to live to constantly be coming back to God asking for forgiveness because you're constantly broken. And, and it reduces God down to nothing more than a, than a conscience cleaner. Do you, do you really want your, your Savior to be nothing more than a, than a conscience cleaner? You know, when Jesus prays this prayer, he goes, lead me not into temptation. And then he says, and deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. That word in the Greek, deliver, means to rescue from. If Jesus told his disciples, pray this prayer, Father God, deliver me from evil. If it wasn't possible, then why would Jesus tell us to pray that way? If Jesus tells us to pray this way, Father God, deliver me, rescue me from my own desires, rescue me from temptation. If he told us to pray it, then it means it's possible. And if it's possible, it's real. And if it's real, it's true. But do you believe that? Another question I want you to ask yourself is, is this. Who do you lead, who do you, lead you to the threshold of sin? I should say why, sorry, why. Why do you lead you to the threshold of sin? There's a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, anger, bitterness, brokenness, loneliness. It goes on and on and on. The reason why we lead ourselves to the threshold of sin, the threshold of temptation. But really, all of those reasons, they can be compiled into two words. It's either this, it's either protection or gratification, Protection or gratification? Anytime you sin, the reason behind it, probably protection or gratification. Protecting yourself, protecting something, or gratifying some sort of desire in yourself. Protection and gratification. But the thing is, is I think we've, we, we've come to this, this time in our life where we think, well, you know, it's my story. And I always hear people tell me, you know, I don't, I don't regret anything. Which is another saying that I really hate because I regret a lot of decisions in my life. And we all look at our story and go, well, it's my story and I don't regret anything. And it got me to where I am today. Well, think of where you could have been if you didn't go down that road. <laughs> I know who you are today and it's good and you're healed and you've been put back together. But think of who you could have been 
if you had never gone down that road, if you had never given in to that protection and that, that gratification, think of who, who else you could have been. If this is who you are now, then my goodness, you could have been even greater. You're great now. I, I agree with you. But you could have been even better. And that's okay. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to say that. We don't have to take all of the times we gave in to protection and gratification and came to that threshold of sin and, and take joy in it because it gave us a, a good story or a good testimony. And the thing is that we have to, we have to understand because I get it. I'm, I'm young. I'm in my 30s. In my generation, we just we look at everything as just, as just adding to our story. It's just adding to who we are. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just making the drama better. Oh, I wish somebody would make a TV show in my life because, you know, that's what I want to do, you know? And we have a young church, okay? We have a young church, and many of us don't realize this, but there are going to be some older people in the room who have lived this out, and they're about to say amen, okay? Because I know we go like, man, you know, I just these are my scars, and this is my story, but this is what I want you to understand, but you don't understand it yet. With every scar comes a decrease. With every scar comes a decrease. A decrease in trust. Decrease in trust in your relationships. Decrease in your trust of others. Decrease in the trust of yourself. With every scar that heals comes a decrease of love. With every scar that heals comes a decrease in honesty comes a decrease in transparency, comes a decrease in believing in yourself, in self-confidence. You can heal from any wound. It's true, and it makes for a great story. But what you need to understand that you may not have lived long enough to understand is with every scar comes a decrease. And you will have a story to tell. But you will also have so many other issues that you have to work through that you didn't have to. See, we come into places in our life where we've run to the threshold of temptation so many times that we come to these places in our lives and we've all asked these questions. We ask these questions like this, why am I here? And we say things like, there has to be more to life than this. Why am I here? I want to know why I'm here so I know why I'm here on this earth. What's the purpose in all of this? There has to be more to life than this. And the thing that you have to understand is that when you make the decision to follow Jesus, he's trying to help you answer that question before you even have to ask the question. And Jesus is trying to lead you to a new question. See, the, the real question is this. It's not why am I here, it's who am I here for. Jesus wants to lead you to a, a meaningful life, a life that has purpose, a, a life that, that clearly communicates to yourself, this is why I'm here. This is, this, this is why there's more to, to, to all of this pain, all of this brokenness. There's more than all this stuff I've gone through. There's more to life than this. But to find what the more is requires other people. See, I, I want you to think about it this way. A meaningful life requires becoming a means to an end. That's what meaning means. Jesus wants to lead you to a meaningful life, but a meaningful life requires becoming a means to an end for someone else. 
And Jesus wants to take you, and he wants to, the, wants to take you past the question, why am I here? And he wants to show you, no, the better question is, who am I here for? Who am I here to serve? Who am I here to love? Who am I here to be for? Because, see, the thing is, is that when you get wrapped up in yourself, you will only have yourself. And when you only have yourself, you will not have meaning in this life. And Jesus wants to take us beyond that and show us what a meaningful life looks like. A life that requires being a means to an end. And when your life is a means to an end, you recognize that even every every gratification decision you make affects somebody else. It doesn't ever just affect you. It always affects somebody else. And Jesus, he says, if you would would follow me, if you would allow me to lead you in this life, I will take you places. I will take you to a places and I will show you what you are here for. I will give you a meaningful life because I will show you how to be a means to an end for someone else. But that requires you to pick up your cross to deny yourself, and to follow me. Jesus, he, shortly after, he took this message and he made it really, really practical. He says this in, in Matthew 7. He says, therefore, because of this, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he goes on to the next verse. And he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Let me, let me grab my stool because you know we're going to get serious here, okay? This is my serious stool, okay? You, Derek, you just, bring that, you just bring that camera up nice and close, okay? I want you to get that, like, that money shot, all right, with these new lights, all right? We're going to get real into earth. I know Shay's watching right now, so Shay, get, bend in, okay? I know, all right? Here's the thing I want you to understand, because I had this conversation with three people this week, okay? I want you to understand that this church, not every church is like this, but this church is like a hospital, We always expect that our beds are going to be full. We are fully expecting that every time our doors open, there are going to be sick people who find themselves coming in here, needing some sort of healing, needing some kind of assistance. We view this place not as a a place for perfect people, but as a hospital where sick people come. And here's what I want you to know about me. I am not the doctor. I am just the head nurse, okay? I am the head nurse who comes in and cleans you up after you poop yourself, all right? (laughs) Please, at my funeral, just quote that, all right? Just say, I'll never forget the day Pastor Mike was up there, and he just said, he's the head nurse who cleans up the poop, you know? I mean, that's why I love him. But seriously, I'm not the doctor. I'm just the head nurse. And everybody here, all of our leaders, our staff, our leadership team, our volunteers, we all consider ourselves to be the nurses. And it doesn't matter how many times you come in here sick, we will always welcome you with open arms. We will never judge you. We will never look at you. You know, a hospital never looks at anybody and goes, now, come on, you've been here a little few too many times. What did we tell you? You know, this is the last time. You better get your act together or we're not going to let you in the hospital. That's not how we run things. 
We will always accept you with open arms, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through. Whatever, we will always welcome you with a smile on your face, and we say, we are so glad you're here. What do you need? Now, that's my job, and that's this church's job. However, when you come in here, and you hear the word of God speak, God expects you to take that and do something with it. When you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a prescription and says, I'm glad you're here. All the nurses seem like the nurses took care of you. I hope you felt welcome while you're here. But if you want to get better, here's the prescription you need. You have to make a choice whether you're going to follow that prescription or not. And my job is to be the nurse and to tell you the word of the Lord. But if you take the word of the Lord and you don't put it into practice in your life, you are the wise man who built his house on the sand. And you will fall. I will never confront you about any sin in your life unless you ask me to. Unless you give me permission, I will never confront you about sin in your life. But I don't think I ever really need to because I think that every single time the word is spoken, you know what you need to do. The question is is whether you choose or not to do it. So what are you going to do? Do you want to lead yourself to the threshold of sin? Do you want to continue your life of, of chasing your tail, of going in this roundabout, of, of having good days and bad days and good relationships and bad relationships and, and brokenness and healing and, 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 and good and bad? Is that, is that how you want to live your life? If you want to, the hospital will always be open. We'll always be here. But you don't have to. And to choose to do that in light of what God has told you today it's really being in an abusive relationship with God. You're really playing a dangerous game of manipulation if you think you can just continue what you're going to do and it's not going to bother him. And I want to say this too. I want to say, this is going to be on the screen, I want to say this too for everybody else in the room. A good friend encourages someone to run to the threshold of life, not the threshold of sin. All of you who support each other, who love each other, who are doing life together, who know that there are people around you in here or people around you out there in your community, at your job, and you know, you know they're running to the threshold of temptation. And you just continue to tell them, you do you. Live your life. Hey, we're all sinners, right? Nobody's perfect. If that's what you encourage your friend to do, I don't know how good of a friend you really are. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
this is how we pray. The question is, is do you really want to pray this way? Because it's, again, as easy as it is to just believe in God, it's really easy to just live a life of prayer where you just inform God of whatever it is you're going through. And it's kind of a repeat conversation because God already knows what you're going through. Or, or, you could stop and you could pray this prayer. And not only would God answer your prayer, but you would be better at life because that's what God does. God makes your life better, and he makes you better at life. And he gives you the tools. He equips you in the same way that he equipped Jesus to walk this earth and choose not to sin. He is offering you the same power, the same tools, the same wisdom, the same strength. But it's a long game, and it's a hard road, and it requires you to deny yourself and to pick up your cross. Choice is yours. I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and we're going to sing a song that I've wanted to sing for a long time, to be honest with you. It's always been on my, on my playlist, but it gives, it gives weight to the words that we just spoke. The rock won't move, and the, the word is strong. The rock won't move, and his, his love won't be undone. I love those lyrics. I love those words. They're so true. And for you in your life, again, I'm the head nurse. I see a lot of crap. I know what you're going through. I know what you feel. And I'm always here for you. I love each and every single one of you more than you could ever know. And I told somebody this week, he said, you know, this is going on. Are you going to say something or what point do you? And I said, look, my job as a pastor is to agonize over the pain in people's lives. Every day, morning till night, I agonize over the pain in your life. I agonize over the decisions you have to make, over the marriage troubles that you have, over the addiction you have to overcome, over the anger you have in, in your heart. And I agonize over it. And I wish so badly I could fix it for you. I wish so badly when those phone calls come, I could tell you exactly what you need to do. But I am not the doctor. I can't always tell you. And I can't take it away for you. I would. Oh, I would. I could if I could. <laughs> it is your decision to make. It is your choice that you have to decide whether you are going to be a follower of Jesus or whether you are just going to simply believe and hope that it works out in the end. Hope that you were good enough. Hope that you did enough. But I'm telling you, if that is the way that you want to choose to live, you will be miserable. But I will always still be here for you. So as we sing this morning and as we pray, I hope that you've heard the word of God today. I hope that God has spoken through me to you clearly. And I hope that you make the wise decision and that you build your life. You build your life, which is a process, a process. You build your life on the rock and not on the sand.
Would you stand with me and pray with me this morning? Father God, this morning we have heard your words. We have listened to the hallowed name of God and we come to you, Father, and we ask for your kingdom to reign in our life. God, we come to, the, we come to you this morning some of us with our cross in hand. And we're saying to you this morning, Father God, take me. Lead me. Show me. I'm denying myself. I am not a sinner. I'm not going to use that lame excuse anymore. I believe that the same power that you showed here on this earth, you've made available to me. And I believe that if you can beat death, you can definitely beat what I'm going through in my life. And with the help of my friends and with the help of my church who care about me and don't want to encourage me to the threshold of, of temptation, they want to encourage me to the threshold of life, I believe I can win. I believe I can see victory in my life and over what I'm going through right now, God. So I ask you this morning, will you lead me? And wherever you choose to lead me, Lord, I will follow. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to support Anchored Hope Church, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to connect someone from Anchored Hope, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.